You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we do have to let the stream breathe just for a few seconds. Make sure we've got five green check marks across the board. We're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest, my fellow co-host. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, when Vic Fangio met with the media earlier today, there was no word on whether or not the Broncos-Patriots game was going to get flexed. And it turned out to happen. About 4.30 today, we learned the Broncos are not going to play on Sunday. It's going to be Monday night. Going to get a double header on Monday. But the good news this time, Broncos are the early game this time around instead of us having to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning you know, for the gut reaction. Yeah, the world eagerly awaits Jared Siddham versus Brett Rippon. And I know it's an extra day for maybe Cam Newton to get healthy or an extra day for Drew Locke to get healthy. I still think it's going to be Rippon versus Stidham. Though it's a primetime game now. If the Broncos can pull off the upset, they'll do it in front of a national audience. And it's just, I don't really have many thoughts about it, Chad. I'm happy for the safety point of view. I think the players, their minds would be at ease, put at ease, not having to play on such a short notice. Uh, the contamination aspect from the Patriots may be infecting the Broncos. I like more primetime. I'm happy it's not you know, 9.30, 8 o'clock. I'm happy it's 7 o'clock, but um, that's about it. You know, on one hand, you go, well, dang it, it gives Cam Newton, it gives Stefan Gilmore more of a chance to get back, you know, make it out of the Q word, <clears throat> make it out of quarantine. But it also increases the probability of Drew Locke being able to play, as you mentioned. And I do think, Zach, that and especially today, I listened to the Elway Access interview on the Broncos team site. Talk Elway talking to uh, Phil, uh, what's his last name? I just, Milani. Milani. And you can tell, dude, and just basically just reading the tonality of John Elway and then also the content of what he said, they want Drew Locke to play this week. I remind everybody, there's a reason why they didn't put him on injured reserve, and that's because they expected and hoped to get him back this week. Elway said, Zach, quote, Drew Locke's shoulder is feeling good. Now, I know in terms of the uh, rep rotation, he's basically been, you know, because they got four quarterbacks on the roster currently, he's kind of been the last guy at the table. During the portion of practice in which media can can view it, we don't know, though, Zach, what's being said or what's being done behind closed doors. And the Broncos are still in a fortuitous situation because everyone knows he's injured. Everyone knows they can list him as limited. They can say he's questionable. They can even say he's doubtful on the injury report for the games, Zach. And the Patriots, there's they have no recourse. There's nothing that they can do. And the Broncos can make a game-time decision, yet knowing two, three, four days in advance that it's going to be luck. They're just, you know, if you use a little gamesmanship here, you might give yourself a slight advantage if you're Vic Fangio. You're giving Belichick a taste of his own medicine. And I still happen to believe it's going to be Brett Rippon. I think you and I disagree. The Broncos may have hoped Drew Locke can return for this game, but I don't think their expectation or their intention was for Locke to return. Uh, Miami in week six is a much more softer landing spot, targeted return for Locke. Um, I, I I think it's gamesmanship on Elway's part as well. I think he's echoing what Fangio said with the 50-50 comment. He wants to make the Patriots prepare for Locke and Brett Rippon, maybe even Blake Portals, Jeff Driscoll. Like you mentioned, they have four quarterbacks on the active roster. Any one of them can play. So it's just throwing Belichick a taste of his own medicine. And uh, I still think, though, it's going to be Rippon when it's all said and done. We shall see. We'll continue to break it down. There's a lot of content to get to today because we heard from Vic Fangio. We heard from Pat Shermer. We heard from Ed Donatel. A few storylines, something Shelby Harris had to say about the game getting flexed today that we're going to talk about. And then, of course, it's our favorite podcast of the week. It is the Mile High Mailbag. So we're going to take a peek inside that, see what's on y'all's mind, get your questions in, any topics, any super chats, get them in, and we'll get to those here in just a few minutes. Because as you know, Zach and I are your football priests. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. But first, guys, we got to take care of a couple of matters of business, starting with 
sportsbetting.com. This live stream pod is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. And as you know, Broncos country, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. Here's what makes sportsbetting.com the go-to no-brainer for sports fans. You get the sharp odds and low juice. You get hassle-free bonuses. You get 24-7 live support. And it's always a real person. And it's always in the United States. The kicker, though, guys, pay close attention here. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. So how it works is like this. You get to play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings, at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com is going to cover 100% of the difference up to $500, and you can roll that over one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. Capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. All right, Zach, One, a uh, couple other things real quick, and then we'll dive right back into the mailbag and the topics for today. Guys, Huddle Up and Mile High Huddle, we are growing at just an insane rate, and we have you to thank for that. But we also have a lot of new listeners and, and subscribers and viewers and members of this community, and we want to make sure everyone knows how to connect with us. So the best thing to do, first and foremost, in terms of staying on top of the news, staying on top of programming, giveaways, everything with regard to the podcast, follow us on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and then also follow the main account, at Mile High Huddle. If you do those two things, you're not going to miss anything pod-related or breaking Broncos news and analysis. And then a gentle reminder. Head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a Mile High Huddle trucker hat. Get yourself – there's there's polos, there's face masks, there's the football priest T-shirt, the football priest hat. A little something for everybody. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here at MHH. And then also get a little something for yourself out of the whole uh, arrangement. And if you're not in a position, though, to patronize the merch store, it's all good. Whether you're with us live in the moment right now, we love you guys or listening after the fact as an on-demand podcast, love you as well. You can each do these three things. Subscribe, like, it's especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook that you like this video if you're with us. But if you really think Zach and I are doing a good job, if you think we're worthy of it, okay, share this video out. That's the best thing you can do. You sharing this video out is worth more to Zach and I than 10 podcasts or 10, 10 podcast advertisers. Let me put it that way, then 10 advertisers. So that's more powerful. It's more meaningful. Do it. Share this video out there, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or even the podcast, if you're listening on demand, those three things, subscribe, like, share. You guys have no idea how much it helps us. And then one last thing, shout out to our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. If you are amongst our Facebook community and you would like to become an official supporter of Mile High Huddle, just go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. Boom. You're in like Flynn. We love our Facebook supporters. Mile high salute to you guys. Appreciate you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Guys, everybody wants to find a way to make a difference and make an impact in the world. A lot of times people get too caught up with our lives. Things are happening. We got jobs. We got families. We got school. We got things going on. We don't always have the means to get around to doing that. But here's what's cool about Core Seltzer. You can actually make a difference by just enjoying a great, great drink. And here's how it works. Coors Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. By simply cracking open a can of Coors Seltzer, you're volunteering. Because our waterways, let's face it, they're at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership, though, with Change the Course, Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how that works. Each 12-pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The way it shakes out, 1 billion gallons of water get restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., and that's just year one. Here's what's great, though, about Coors Seltzer itself. Not only are you making a difference in the world simply by purchasing Coors Seltzer, but you also get to enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. I particularly like the black cherry, and the specs are in. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories. As someone who covers the NFL and a giant football fan, there's nothing I like more than kicking back on a Sunday morning, getting my spread, getting my food, getting my drinks, putting on a full slate of NFL action, and kicking back with a 
Coors Seltzer. Whether it's a black cherry, a mango, lemon, lime, Chad, I live for football and kicking back with my Coors Seltzer each and every single game week. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program, gang, by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. Guys, it's that simple. Who would have guessed saving the world could be that easy? Visit CoorSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's get to, John, throw up that Shelby Harris quote because this brings up an interesting point. Not all teams have have behaved equally with regard to the bug that shall go unmentioned. You know, and there's there's probably a certain sense of arbitrary randomness to who contracts the bug because it could simply be ordering pizza delivery and you touch a pizza box that was delivered to you and you eat your pizza and then you touch your eye, boom. If it's if it's on there, you could you could become contract you could contract it. And Zach, it's not necessarily anything you did that was high risk or, you know, you're not necessarily at fault. It's just the randomness of life. But at the same time, you can see that it's happening to certain teams. And Shelby Harris brings up what I think is a very salient point. He said, quote, why are we getting punished when we did nothing wrong? In other words, having the game moved from Sunday to Monday. The Pats go on a bye next week and we're stuck on a short week playing the Dolphins. Help it makes sense. What's your reaction to that topic? I, I understand where he's coming from, but every NFL player knew the risk if they were going to opt into the season. And not just the, the safety risk, but how weird and uncharted it's going to be and how uh, unique it's going to be and how things can change on a week-to-week basis. Talking about having a week 18, talking about moving by weeks around and, and the way the schedule was devised. I understand the, where he's coming from here. I think he's trying to stoke that favoritism from the Patriots on the NFL side a little. I think he's just playing into the the rivalry, if there is one, between the Broncos and the Patriots. I understand the way he's thinking, but my my feeling is everyone knew the stakes. Everyone knew that what was going to be this season and this season alone, exclusive to 2020, and it's not fair. But you know what? Football's not fair. Life's not fair. you got to roll with the punches, especially in a year like this, Chad. And the Patriots have basically been locked out of their facility. Like if you're looking at it from a competitive balance standpoint, like it's not exactly, I get it. They're the ones that, you know, for how, whether it was arbitrary or by virtue of individual behavior that allowed this in. (sighs) Nevertheless, if you want competitive balance in the league, they've not really been able to prepare for the Broncos in the traditional sense, their practices, everything's their whole week of preparation has been thrown off but I do understand why the Broncos were holding on for the possibility of it being Sunday, not just because of the fact that it's a better chance you don't get Cam Newton and you don't get Stephon Gilmore. But as Shelby said, suddenly you get a traditional one-week turnaround turns into a short week, Zach, and that's not fair to the Broncos. But at the same time, as you mentioned, this is just an outlier year where teams just have to be ready and willing to roll with the punches. And listen, I mean, it's your it's next opponent that's up on the schedule right now. Let's let's focus on winning that game. And I kind of like what Mike Tomlin said because the Steelers got screwed, Chad. They had their bye week early, and they're going to play 13 straight weeks now. And his one answer to that question was, we do not care. And I love that mentality. I love that way of thinking. It sucks. It's not fair. It's the Patriots once again kind of gaming the system in a roundabout way. But just focus on the task at hand. Focus on your next opponent and beat the Patriots, hopefully, and move on. It's also, I think, a little bit of a case of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Everybody knows that uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick seem to kind of have a unique and special relationship with Roger Goodell and the NFL front office. And, you know, when things break, they tend to break in New England's favor. And maybe that's just due to the fact that, you know, they're the most dominant team of the modern era. Or it might just have something to do with Robert Kraft being a dang good campaigner as it relates to, you know, uh, throwing his weight around with the league office. Let's give him a hand for that, Chad. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) W.E. jumping in on Super Chat. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for your support, as always. One of the superstars in our community. New England haven't practiced this week or even been in the facility, so it kind of makes sense to give them an extra day of practice. 
ripping on primetime <laughs> again. Yeah, so it's uh, – you know what? The, the primetime lights of Thursday night were not too bright for Brett Rippon, and if it does indeed end up being Brett Rippon who gets the start on Monday, I'm a lot more um, optimistic, I think is the word, that he's going to be able to manage that uh, focus and scrutiny just fine. You know, it's going to be against a much more – you know, um, competent opponent than obviously the Jets were. But that defense that Greg Williams was throwing at, at Brett Rippon mm. last week, I mean, not not a ton of talent on that side of the ball, not a ton of great pass rush, but, man, he, he had some unique looks and some pressures and some coverages and just, you know, Greg Williams, one of the, I think, one of the best play-calling defensive coordinators in the league. So if he can hang with Greg, I'm a little bit more optimistic, Zach, he can hang with, with Bill. And also one of the dirtiest. And say what you want about Belichick, but he doesn't soup to the levels of the bounty hunter himself, Greg Williams. And they were actually gunning the Jets for uh, Brett Rippon's legs and his knees and, and coming after him, trying to injure him. So, like you mentioned, the, the game is not too big for him. Say what you want about his lack of arm talent or his lack of the prototypical quarterback build, but he is such, he has this wise beyond his years approach to the game. That's what you want. And what better opportunity for this guy? If he can come in there, maybe not even win the game, but show solidly, hang in there with the Patriots and maybe go down to the wire with them, he could solidify himself as the Broncos' long-term quarterback too. So good opportunity for Brett Rippon, and I'm with you. I'm not scared if he's thrust into duty on uh, in primetime. Let's grab this question since it is the Mile High Mailbag and we are your football priests. From David on Facebook, he says, do you think the movement of the game benefits the Broncos or the Patriots the most? Which one tends to benefit most for the game itself? Not Let's not worry about it being a short week turnaround. Just for this game, what's your answer? Well, there's two players uh, at stake for the Patriots and one for the Broncos. It's Locke for the Broncos, but it's Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots. That's their best offensive player and their best defensive player. So I think it – and also the Patriots are at home. So I just think it's, it's an extra day at home. They get to just have another day of preparation. You don't like that for Bill Belichick, having another day to study you. But in terms of getting healthier or just healing up, it's got to benefit New England. I think it also, you can't dismiss the possibility of Noah Fant. I'm just telling you, like having an extra day, you don't know. I mean, he's young. What is he, 22, I think? Maybe 21, 22, 23, something like that. Either way, he's young. And an extra day of, of rest and recovery can have a palpable effect on the ankle that he's bouncing back from. Maybe even A.J. Bouye. Like, I'm not – I'm a lot less inclined to cross those guys just automatically off the list of, of for week five now that they're playing on Monday. Plus, Because it's not just Monday – because think about it. This game was originally scheduled, if I'm not mistaken here, correct me if I'm wrong, for an 11 a.m. start Denver time, so 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, in New England, you're almost getting you're getting 24. You're getting nearly a 36 hour additional window to, you know, Noah Fant going out on the field doing some stretches, pregame warm up, testing it to see how he's feeling. It's a little bit more optimistic potentially that he could play. Maybe not AJ Bouye so much, but Fant possibly. I'm keeping. I'm a lot more open to the possibility anyway. Wasn't it a 4.30 start or 4.25? I, maybe I'm wrong. I, th- I thought it was the late afternoon window. I'll take for, a look uh, since, I, since I broached it. It's a good point, though. I mean, they don't have just 24 hours. They have 24 hours and then some for the night game. So, A.J. Boye, great point. I don't think Noah Fant plays. I think he's one week away, and I don't want to see a diminished Noah Fant out there. Boye could play, but Philip Lindsay definitely. It gives him a, a, another chance, another day to get healthier. Locke, maybe. But I think overall, it just benefits the Patriots. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Oh no, you're right. So it was originally it was originally scheduled for 2:25 Mountain. That's unusual for an East Coast game. They're, the East Coast games are usually in the morning, but so still though. But even that still only shaves three hours, right? Off of off my point, which is that you get a full extra day and then some if you're Noah Fant to test that ankle, go out there pregame warmups and see if there's a chance that you might be able to make it for your team. So we'll see. Um, let's grab this one from Richie Rich on with regard to Drew Locke. And I don't think this is a topic Zach and I necessarily share a brain on because I'm of the opinion at this stage when you're sitting at one and three and reading the tonality of John Elway, I think if Drew Locke tells you he's good to go, then he should then play him. But here's what Richie says. It's way too big of a risk to bring him back this week. Why potentially delay his recovery 
What if he gets a cheap shot? And Zach, before I serve this over to you, let me just read something that Vic Fangio said today uh, in regards to uh, him being able to play lock on Sunday, quote, on what more he needs to see from him. Quote, I think besides just the throwing, which is the obvious evaluator to whether he's able to play or not, you also have to know whether he's capable both physically and mentally to take a hit or go to the ground. That's how he got hurt initially, going to the ground with his shoulder into the ground. The throwing is one thing, but can his shoulder take another hit, whether it be a direct hit from a player or going to the ground when he's getting hit? So that's part of the equation too, close quote. And Zach, my point on that is if he tells you he's good to go and he's not feeling pain in that shoulder, at some point that's a Rubicon you're going to have to cross. You're just going to have to say, well, we hope he can take a hit because what are you going to do? Just have guys line up and hit him and say, how does that feel? You're not going to do that ever. So if he tells you he's good to go, then trust him and put him out there. Chad, you and I don't disagree on much, but I think we do see differently here. And it's I don't really care what Drew Locke thinks. I care what the Broncos training staff thinks, what the Broncos doctors think. He has to be 110% to come back this week. And not just because the Miami Dolphins is a better opponent for Locke to come back and not just you know to avoid a shot to his shoulder. Right now, Locke's confidence is as important as his health. You have to kind of ease him in there and hopefully put him in a situation where he can come back and get a win. Because you remember, he entered the season with potential, you know, year of lock, potential MVP aspirations, and it went quickly into the toilet bowl. So he, still being uh, in the driver's seat to be the guy for the future, you want him to have an opportunity where he feels good about himself playing. And I don't think throwing him out there on the road in prime time against the Patriots, coming in cold again, where he's barely fully healthy, if that, is the best situation for the Broncos season or Locke's future. I would hold him out one more week. The Broncos are certainly trying to telegraph the signals they're trying to send to New England anyway from the outside looking in are that Block is just not 100% yet. The way they're rotating his his reps in terms of, you know, the portion that's open to the media, they are trying to definitely telegraph that he's he's not quite there yet. And there's a, always that chance that they're that that's just the truth that what we're seeing, the way that they're portraying it is the truth. And I'm open to that, obviously, being being the reality. But my intuition is he's a lot farther along in the in the recovery curve than the team is letting on. And part of that has to do as well with just listening to John Elway in that Elway access. Check it out if you haven't. Maybe we can uh, play the audio later. We'll see how much time we have. But let's grab this super chat from Mark Langley, one of the bona fide superstars in our community. Yes. Thank you, Love Mark. you, Mark. It's always a better stream when you're in it, my friend. So welcome, Thanks. and uh, we love you. What's up, my guys? Just wanted to say hi, and I hope all is well with you and, Bron- and the Broncos community. Hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag go Braves. He's in Georgia. Hashtag football priest. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag huddle up pod. You know, I've stopped being a huge MLB fan, Zach, and this is, of Same. course, a Broncos podcast. But growing up, my team was the Braves because – they were televised every game on TBS. And so I could watch every single game. And this was in the early nineties. I'm talking the David justice, Ron Gant era with the Tom Glavins and the Maddox Schmoltz. Yes. That was my era of Braves. So although I'm not invested in, in the modern, uh, you know, the way that these teams nowadays uh, brave, I do still have a, a, a modest emotional attachment. Yeah, I grew up a pretty, I wouldn't say a diehard Yankees fan, but I was a pretty well-invested Yankees fan. And, you know, I, where they've been lately, they've fallen off from the Bronx Bombers. And I watched the game the other night. I saw some highlights against the Rays. They struck out like 20 times. And that was just my cue. Okay, focus on the Broncos, focus on football. I'm checked out of baseball. Let's grab Isaiah, 1127, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you. And it's, you know, you've been very active on Super Chat these last few weeks, so. It does not go unnoticed by us, and we appreciate you, my friend. He says, what's up, fellas? Any updates on Philip Lindsay and, and A.J. Bouye? Also, is Zach's boy, Nigel Bradham, able to suit up and help out our linebacker core? Hashtag Monday Night Football versus Pats. Yeah, so Lindsay's a go. He's going to play this week. So you, you're finally going to get to see, hopefully, a full 60 minutes of Pat Shermer's you know, design with a Melvin Gordon and a, and a full, you know, Philip Lindsay. Bouye, he's still quite iffy. If I'm not mistaken, he was uh, basically sidelined working out one-on-one with trainers today. Officially on the injury report, I'll tell you what uh, What AJ – let me look at this real quick. AJ is officially listed through two practices this week. Um, well, he's not actually on the injury report because he's 
on IR, so it's not showing me his participation. But from what I've gathered and the people I've talked to, he's the guy that when the team's practicing and going through individual, he's on the sideline working with trainers. So it's not looking good, yeah, in my opinion, for AJ this week, Zach. He had to get in a limited practice at least, at least one to have a shot at suiting up. I think holding him out again, the Patriots, listen, they don't really have receivers that scare me. You can cover Adam Edelman with their quarterbacks that you have and just stop the Patriots running game. You don't, you don't need AJ Boye for this game. In terms of Bradham, I'd love to have him on the 53. I'd love to have him out there. If not playing starter snaps and at least playing on third downs, passing situations, he is going to help the Broncos defense as soon as he hits the field. I just hope Fangio, it's on another DeMar Dotson where he sits on the bench for, you know, four or five weeks before he gets a shot. Black Knight on uh, Twitch this time, jumping in. He says, chilling out on Twitch tonight. Anyway, got a question. What would you rather have? get a free agent offensive lineman and draft a generational edge player or get a free agent edge player and draft a generational offensive lineman. Zach, not even close. your answer. Not even close. I mean, the, the, the number two most important position in football behind a franchise quarterback is a franchise pass protector or a franchise left tackle, right tackle, a future Hall of Fame guard like Quentin Nelson. It's great to have the pass rushers, but how well did that serve the Broncos in 2018? when they had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, how well to serve Denver the last five years, having no offensive line or offensive line issues and no quarterback. You fix the offensive line. It, let's say you have like a, a Cowboys offensive line, just a stalwart offensive line, just a brick wall. Any quarterback, for the most part, you put back there is going to look good. It's going to help the Broncos overall. I am building the line nine times out of nine before I even touch the defense, Chubb. It would be different perhaps for me if you didn't have Bradley Chubb in his third year, but you do have Bradley Chubb. And so, and we'll see, I think this kind of leads into the next question here, but you got Von Miller under contract for one more year. We'll see how that shakes out, but I would concur with Zach. For me, it would be the offensive lineman in the draft. Um, Miller 707 though, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. I hate asking this question because Vaughn is my favorite player, but if Denver can get a first round pick for him next year, He'll be 32. That ain't going to happen. Should they pull the trigger? But ne- but he is Von Miller, so maybe. Should they pull the trigger if the Broncos could get a first-rounder for, for Von next year, Zach, in the final year of his deal, age 32 season? He is going to be, I, I think, so motivated. For the part you just mentioned, he knows, based on the interview we had yesterday about his contract, he knows he's fighting now for his next deal. He wants one more big payday, one more Von Miller franchise quarterback money type payday before riding off into the sunset. So coming back next year, coming off the injury, not really playing a lot if he doesn't play this year, he is going to be extra motivated. And if you, if you flip him for a first-round pick, there's no guarantee what that guy is going to be or who it's going to be. It's a question mark. I'll take the sure thing. I'll take the future Hall of Famer. And I'm not upsetting the apple cart by trading my franchise cornerstone future first ballot Hall of Fame player for a measly first round draft pick. I don't know, man. I would really have to think about it. And I'm not trying to just be contrary guy tonight. In the case of Vaughn, coming off a down year, coming off an injury loss, a season loss to injury, if a team out there offers me a first round pick, if it's in the top 10, I'm taking that, but it's not going to happen. I mean, right now my impulse would be to take it, but I don't know. That's a question that I'd probably more seriously ponder if we we get to the off season and we get a little bit more insight right. on whether or not the Broncos are going to ask him to take a, a pay restructure because if the Broncos approach Vaughn, it doesn't have to just simply be, Hey Vaughn, take a pay cut in your final year. Thank you, please. It can be, Hey Vaughn, we need to reduce your 2021 cap number, but also here's some new years on your deal and, and, a, and an extension, right? A payday. Um, so there's a lot of different ways they can approach it. And several of them include of obviously keeping him in Denver in 2021 and beyond. So I don't think Vaughn's story in Denver is anywhere close to being over quite yet, regardless of the drama that was kicked up yesterday on his kind of cryptic interview on, on the fan. Let's grab Mike Evans jumping in, bonafide superstar. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. In order for Vic to take the full head coach, uh, in order for Vic to have taken the full head coach position versus just focusing on the defense, what do you think of making Ed Donatel the assistant head coach? Vic has complete trust in him. Um, so taking some of the pressure off of Vic in terms of the game day, juggling the different responsibilities that come with being a head coach. I don't. I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to that 
In fact, I'm not sure who is the current assistant head coach. Monchak? Not, I I, I want to say it's uh, – is it John Pagano? The I don't know. I have to look into that. But anything you can do to take stuff off of Vic's plate on game day, by all means. But at the same time, Zach, he's right. a big boy. He should be able to be the head coach and do what the head coach right. is supposed to do. I agree with that, but also it's just a figurehead role for Donatel. What does he do now? I mean, he's a secondary coach, but Vic calls a defensive plays. It, it was just a a title only uh, a coordinating job for Donatel. Making him the assistant head coach is just it's putting lipstick on a pig. I don't really see what he does already, aside from maybe being Vic's eyes up in the booth. But I'm with you, Chad. He's the head coach of the team. He signed on for that. It's not just defense; it's offense, it's specials. You have to be the entire well-rounded coach on all three sides of the ball. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I'm looking here, and bear with me one second. I'm not seeing an assistant head coach officially, a coach that has that as one of their titles. A lot of times what you see, for example, is you know quarterbacks coach and assistant head coach. I don't think Vic has actually named an assistant head coach, so I think that is an open – what it's worth it's it's an open position but interesting question appreciate you mike um zeus mcpeak no direct question by way of this super chat but zeus showing the love and supporting the cause keeping the lights on as it were at mhh central here on youtube so thank you my friend as always you know we love you and appreciate you and hope everything's going well for you down in texas my friend um all right, this is about to do a jump, and it just jumped directly to this very generous super chat from wow. D-Dub. Everyone knows Dale. In fact, actually, I'm going to come right back to it. I didn't. I just saw that he had an earlier one. So very generous Thank is you. Dale, and he lives in paradise. He lives across the beautiful Pacific in Hawaii. Always good to see you, my friend, and you know how much your support means to us. He says, great to catch a live show. It's been busy. Thanks to everyone who can make it each week. It makes the replay better seeing all the comments. And that's true, man. Being able to watch the actual broadcast and then seeing all the the chat replay, as, it, as YouTube calls it, only adds to it. And then here's what else he says. Four games in, Melvin Gordon money was worth the slight overpay. No pay. We go into the season with Lindsey and Freeman. Gordon has kept the running game churning and pass pro blocks a real difference. Freeman is not the same. Let's run on the paths with both healthy guys. Yeah. I mean, Zach and I have had to, thanks again, Dale. We love you, buddy. Appreciate that generosity. But Zach, you and I have kind of had to eat a modest amount of crow with regard to uh, Melvin. But I, I have to remind everybody that as we eat the crow, we never clowned on or diminished Melvin, the player. Um, We always said he's a good player and he's, he's an upper echelon back in the league. And there's a lot he could do, you know, for this team. And he's he's shown that already through the first quarter of the season. Our biggest gripe was, yes, slight overpay. I think that, that goes without saying. But really it was the implications on Philip Lindsay. But that whole storyline, Zach, has kind of been moot because Philip hasn't been a factor right. because of injury. I was going to say, I still think he's kind of overpaid. He has 100-yard game, and he's the, the sixth highest paid running back, $8 million per year. I think he only looks – and he's played well. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I wouldn't say he's Barry Sanders right now, but he's played well. But I think he looks good because the Broncos' offense, for the most part, hasn't looked that great. And would he have been as impressive? Would he have had 100 yards against the Jets if Philip Lindsay was playing? So what Chad just hit on there is what my point is. Let's see what Philip brings to the table starting Monday night. He's going to come back even more pissed off than he was before, and I think he's really going to make it harder on Gordon now to establish himself as that guy earning $8 million. I still think it's a slight overpay, Chad. I'm still dying on that hill. But to Dale's point, though, I shudder to think what this offense would have looked like these last three weeks without Melvin because Royce Freeman, he's right. He's he looks even less than just a jag. You know, he looks he just he's not brought anything and he's received a few swings at the plate, so to speak. I mean, he's received a few touches in relief of Gordon, a few receptions. We're talking about like his games are three or three rushes, one yard. That's what you're getting out of Royce Freeman right now. And so the Broncos just aren't giving him touches. But Think about this. Melvin Gordon helps Jeff Driscoll storm back in week two after after Drew Locke goes down, catches that over the shoulder in the in the end zone touchdown. Great play there. 
keeps the ball moving in terms of the ground attack. It's a viable threat to opponents. And then last week, gets his first 100-yard game as a Bronco. That 43-yard dagger at the end, of course, almost half of his yardage came on right, the exactly. dagger. Which was and a breakdown on the Jets' part. Let's be Two real. touchdowns in that game for him, too. So credit to Melvin Gordon. He really has, I think, outkicked what I perceive to be his coverage early on. But let's grab this one from Timothy. I uh, appreciate the question, my friend. Is Drew the backup since he's only a week away? Hashtag state of being in Minnesota Vikings territory. Very interesting. Um, so the way they're posturing it right now, Zach, is it looks like the pecking order is thus. Brett Rippon starter, Jeff Driscoll taking the two reps. Um, Blake Bortles almost forgot his name. Number three, and then Drew Locke bringing up the rear in terms of the, the rep share during the media viewing portion of practice. But I stress again, we don't know exactly how it's shaking out behind closed doors. I still think it's going to be just just how you laid it out. I think Rippon will start this game, and you'll have Driscoll as the backup, and then all things uh, on schedule, you'll see Drew Locke starting against the Dolphins in Week 6. I think that's how it's going to be the next couple weeks. Shout out to Glenn Hauser, the man with the most bad A man cave I've ever seen, especially in Broncos country. Uh, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in the live stream. Kenneth Booker, we're not normally known for being fantasy czars. That's not really our bag. However, wait, Kenneth has a question. Should I start Philip Lindsay as my flex or wait another week? Zach, the one thing about this to keep in mind is I thought Melvin Gordon was going to be the vulture, that any touchdown Philip Lindsay would post in 2020, by and large, would be a, a, a run or a catch he took to the house from inside, you know, from between the 20s, right? Not inside the 20. But what we saw in that first two quarters of week one before he, his turf toe injury is they gave him some goal line carries. It didn't work out well, but they did give him goal line touches. So my feeling is if you believe, if, if you think Lindsay's healthy and you're going to consider putting him in the flex next week, I don't know why you wouldn't do it this week. Just because, I mean, we saw at least from those two quarters that Pat Shermer views him on the goal line as well as uh, between the twenties. You know why he got those goal line carries. Let me tell you guys, come here. Because he's a workhorse running back. He's a three-down running back. Don't tell anyone. But listen, in terms of fantasy, the Patriots defense, knowing Lindsey's going to play in this game, Bill, Bill Belichick will try to snuff him out. Coming off the toe injury, I want to see Lindsey perform one week in one game before I make a determination. I don't know who your other players are that you can put in the flex spot, but the Miami Dolphins defense is a lot softer in the front seven. It's a much better matchup for Lindsey in the Broncos running game, so I would wait one more week for Lindsey in the flex. Some prayers up for the grandma of the robot of doom five. He says, Hey guys, I don't comment a lot, but could everyone send some prayers to my family? My grandma isn't doing well, doing too well tonight. And it might be her last. She was a massive Broncos fan too. Thanks everyone. Absolutely. My friend, prayers up up for you and our thoughts are with your family. Hope, hope she uh, pulls through and, and hope your family can, can hang in there. So keep a stiff upper lip and stay positive. Um, Chris Hernandez, a 24-year veteran of the Air Force and a bona fide superstar in our community, not only a superstar, but a Facebook supporter. This is a guy that is, you know, he he rides with you. He's he's shotgun with MHH, is Chris Hernandez. So love you, buddy. Really appreciate the support. Good to see you as always. Any topics, any questions you got, my friend, John, I'll keep an eye out in the chat stream. We're happy to, to tackle anything that's on your mind. Also, uh, Zach, shout out to Eclipse Stormborn. Yes, sir. Who is in the house with us here as well tonight. And he's rocking the football priest hat in his YouTube pick like a boss. Love that, my friend. Send me that pick, by the way, Troy. Let's get that up on Instagram. Let's uh, let's let's show you some love. Um, Quincy on Facebook. What is the reason Albert Okaway Boonham ain't playing? Zach, it starts with a B. Drop some knowledge. He, he, he's just not, I thought you were going to say bust. I thought that's what you're leading me into. <laughs> no, he's, I don't just think he's ready yet. I think he's I don't know the word you're trying to think of here, Chad, but Locking, Bron- sorry. The, yeah, I mean, the Broncos are, for whatever reason, they are uh, much more uh, loyal to Nick Vanette and Jake, Jake Butler, veteran players. Albert O can run really fast in a straight line. He's a good red zone threat, but he can't do much outside of that. He's a lot more raw than Broncos fans thought he was going to be entering the season. That being said, though, Noah Fant being out this week, I think he will be active. He'll get some red zone looks. He'll get some passes thrown his way. But don't expect a 100-yard, two-touchdown effort against Bill Belichick and the Patriots in his first NFL game. Have some perspective. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
I think if Nolfant indeed does miss this game, though, I think you would be remiss not to give him a few opportunities to dress him, A. B, give him a few snaps in the red zone, even if you don't design a, a, a pass necessarily to go to him. Get him out on the field and make Bill Belichick think a little bit. Like, use him. There's a This is a, yeah. a, a chance for you. Even if he doesn't make an impact with the ball in his hand, this is a chance for the Broncos to get some utility out of their fourth-round pick with Noah Fant sidelined potentially, in the way it's looking anyway, uh, with an injury. And by the way, in my math that we were talking about earlier today in terms of, you know, the game was originally 225 Sunday. Now it's going to be uh, Monday evening. The game is actually going to be 3 p.m. Monday local time. So, yeah, so it's 5 Eastern, 3 p.m. local time. So hopefully you guys can get home from work a little bit early so you're not missing that. I would be right now calling your boss, texting him uh, (laughs) or her, you know, uh, him or her texting and saying, hey, any chance I can get off a a couple hours early Sunday because the Broncos are playing (laughs) really early. On uh, Monday night. I'm going to be sick Monday. Don't expect me. There you go. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got here from Oscar, also known as JL Avenger 23 from YouTube. Definitely recognize you, my friend. Good to see you. What do you think about the possible performance of Jerry Judy or Tim Patrick on uh, he's talking week five? The New England defense is weak against receivers. Cheers from Costa Rica and keep grinding, guys. Broncos country is not a geographic location, gang. It is a hashtag state of being. It is wherever you are. Great question. What's your outlook for Jerry, Judy, and Tim Patrick this week? Uh, they're going to be heavily leaned on, and it's a, it's a good point because the Patriots' pass defense, with or without Stephon Gilmore, is far from what it used to be. They are very leaky in their secondary, and they can be had. Now, whether Jerry, Judy can, can catch the balls, whether Tim Patrick can separate, is a different story. Whether Brett Rippon has the time to find them down the field is a different story. I think the Broncos, the key to win this game, obviously, is the running attack. They have to establish time of possession, run the ball with Melvin Gordon, Lindsey, and Royce Freeman down the Patriots' throat. But you can't go into a shell either. You can't be conservative. You can't play scared. You can't play not to lose. You will get blown out of Gillette Stadium. Take your shots downfield. Get your matchups one-on-one with Jerry Judy. Let Tim Patrick go Cortland Sutton on their on their uh, smaller defensive backs and be aggressive. Take chances down the field. I want to see Pat Shermer be vertical this week, not horizontal. This uh, question here from Kenneth, similar to his uh, original question about Lindsey, this one, though, comes via Super Chat. Appreciate you, Kenneth. And it involves who do you put on the flex? Lindsey or David Montgomery, of course, the Chicago Bears running back. Isn't he playing tonight? Isn't the Bears-Bucks game tonight? What's the score, guys? I'm pulling it up now. Let's take a quick look L- here. A little late for that. <laughs> yeah, he might have. Let's see. He got that in 645. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah, that decision's probably already been made. Maybe we're just late getting to his Super Chat, but uh, – I would have went Lindsay because the Bucks as well. defense is I would have as well out. for what it's worth. Hopefully you did, my friend. All right, let's grab Vi Agra jumping in on Super Chat. Good to see you again, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate your support. He says, I like Vic Fangio, but he seems to be another one of these good defensive coordinators, bad head coach guys. Not saying we fire Fangio in 2021 or 2022. Uh, we target an offensive-minded guy. You know, we're not going to lie to you. Our confidence – in Fangio has been shaken a little bit by the way this first quarter because look you can't blame him for the rash of injuries but the way he kind of navigated some of the decisions early on especially week one and week two and then the way things that end of game at the against New York Jets which by the way Zach and I missed those last few series because we were setting up coming to you with the with the gut reaction which is a lesson to us we got to wait till the freaking final gun sounds and then we'll come on because we did miss a a key storyline there my confidence in, in Vic Fangio has been shaken a little bit this year. I'm not going to lie. But I still think the, the jury is out in terms of his overall wherewithal and whether or not he should remain the head coach in 2021 and beyond. I, don't, I haven't seen anything yet that tells me, hey, end of the season, can Vic Fangio. This is an Adam Gase level incompetence. Just a couple of right. two or three different things this, this year outside of the injuries, which he had no control over, that make me doubt him a little bit. I can definitely see the argument. This was a lifelong assistant coach. He was a lifelong coordinator. He never got the big seat. And you wonder why at 60 years old, he never got the opportunity, nor did he want it. You have to wonder about that. 
but it, it's too incomplete because he's never had through two incomplete seasons now a full roster with what he wants, his vision for the Broncos, his full defense, his full offense. And I don't think he'll get fired this year. I think he'll get all of 2020, especially with the injuries, and probably all of 2021. After that, all bets are off. I do agree, though, Chad, the next head coach of the Broncos, if or when they fire Fangio, it has to be an offensive guy. They failed with Vance. They failed with Vic. I don't know if they'll go back to the rookie you know, head coaching well, it just has to be an offensive-minded guy, considering where the sport is nowadays. Go find your next Shanahan. Go find your next McVay. Let's let's pump the brakes on the defensive guys for a little while. I just don't think you're going to see another ho- head coaching change so long as John Elway is still the head football executive, or at least as the GM. I could see him – I've, I've talked about this before. I could see Elway saying, look, I'm relinquishing the GM reins, and I'm just going to be the president of football operations. I'm bringing in a GM. I'm going to hire somebody with Joe Ellis's input to be the day-to-day grind guy, GM, help, you know, basically formulate the list of candidates for the head, next head coach. If this were to happen, of course, if they were to move on from Fangio at some point in the future and Elway stayed on. Otherwise, Elway can't sell another head coach without himself getting sold down the river as well, in my opinion. Uh, Dennis Woods jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Dennis. Talk about state of being in uh, the fine state of Michigan. He says, looking forward to seeing how the Broncos use both Gordon and Lindsey in the running game. Amen. And Zach, you said it. This is a game in which, you know, you got to get your money's worth out of Philip Lindsey and Melvin Gordon. I want to see them on the field together at the same time. That was one of the things that Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio teased before the season is packages with them both on the field, using their receiving talents, their speed, their game-breaking ability. Uh, This is Pat Shermer versus Bill Belichick. I don't like those odds on paper, but if Pat Shermer can scheme out of his mind, if things break a certain way, the Broncos can hang in there on Monday night. And for what it's worth, if you guys can think back, I know it feels like a lifetime ago, but the season opener – what was it, September 14th or 15th, something like that, they started on the field at the same time. They actually were literal co-starters. The first snap included Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, and I don't remember exactly what the play was now off the top of my head. But It's all downhill from there. It, it really did go <laughs> downhill, but nevertheless, I concur. Let's see some creativity, Pat Shermer. Let's see you kind of sing for your supper and yes. earn and display some of that, uh, you know, OC, X's and O's, acumen, that, you know, he's got a really good reputation. Let's see it come out on the wash with how he's using these running backs, especially, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Drew Locke or Brett Rippon. It's a young quarterback on the road at Bill Belichick. Right. You've got to get that ground game going. Uh, Tom El Greco jumping in on Super Chat, north of the 49th parallel. Good to see you, Thank my you, friend. Tom. Appreciate you. Need to see more Drew Locke sooner than later, especially against tougher teams, so I can get a fair assessment on whether he's our future QB. Thanks, One guy. more week. One more week. That's part of the reason why, Zach, I'm of the opinion that if he can play, if he tells you he's good and there's no obvious, like a medical staff should be able to tell when they're testing him out, like the different things they can do, resistance. If he's going twitching when you do it and he's telling, no, I'm good. I swear I'm okay. Okay, then sit him down. But if it all looks good, play him because I agree with Tom. You need to get as much – Sample size in year two from Drew Locke, especially in light of the way this season started and the fact that he's missed three and a half games now, two and a half, excuse me, uh, as you possibly can. Yeah, we'll see him do some jumping jacks before the game. That'll be the the end all (laughs) be all (laughs) determining factor for Drew Locke on Monday. Flipping boots, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the uh, super chat. He says, we can't count Drew out versus the Pats. Elway wants him in. And that's what I'm saying, dude. I don't know if it's I – don't, I don't necessarily want to play – here. let me see if I – grab the next question, Zach, and I'm going to dial up on my phone. I got to scroll comment all the way from, up. from Elway, and I'll play it so you guys can see what I mean. All right, let's uh, – I'll go through some of these here. John, you got me? The next one? It, it jumped on me. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Levi jumping in, 1999 donation. Thank you so, so much, Levi. Quickly, Chad. Quickly becoming a, a super chat superstar, Mount Rushmore. Thank you so much, Levi. He goes, Zach, Broncos versus Cowboys. Drew's back. Who are you taking to win? Is this a healthy Broncos team versus a healthy Cowboys team? Because if so, I do like the Broncos' chances. I think they can limit the Cowboys' offense and Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton and all the other pieces. They can put some points on the board. But right now, 
your guys are going to hate me, but I would take the Cowboys. Their offense is just too lethal right now. They're scoring like a billion points a game, 10 billion yards a game, and as bad as their defense is, they just have too much firepower on offense, I think, for the Broncos with a Brett Rippon or a Driscoll or a Blake Bortles to contend with. But one-on-one, 100% versus 100%, uh, it's I'm leaning Denver in that matchup. I'm almost there. And by the way, uh, hold on, because I just I saw this today on my phone. Here it is. All right, hold on one second. Grab one more, guys, and then I'll have this queued up and ready to roll. Three nothing Bucks. See, that's what I'm talking about. I think it was Kenneth who had that question about uh, Montgomery versus Lindsey. The Bucks run defense is just so stout. Uh, what else? Uh, thank, thank you, Juana. Uh, Levi jumping in again. 1999. Thank you again so much, Levi. He goes. You guys think Pats will scheme against the run? Absolutely. Bill Belichick is the master. I mean, he sees Brett Rippon. He sees this this ravaged receiving core. No KJ Hamler, who should be on IR by the way. That's a whole other story. He has Jerry Judy, a rookie. You have Tim Patrick, who's not Cortland Sutton, and kind of a mish, no Noah fan and a mishmash of other young uh, receiving weapons. So yes, he will scheme regardless of Lindsey being 100 percent or not. He will scheme to stop the run. And that's why it falls on Pat Shermer to be the guy to defeat Bill Belichick. Whether he can is a different story. I, I don't have much faith in that happening one-on-one. But if he can get creative and think outside the box and catch the Patriots by surprise, they are going to stack the box to stop the run with or without Stephon Gilmore. You have to take shots down the field. You have to get aggressive and be creative. You can't be scared to lose this game. Go all out, leave it all on the field, and you never know what could happen. Okay, guys, here, here you go. Listen to this real quick. We'll grab Poppy. By the way, Poppy, thank you so much for, wow. for that generosity. Hey, Poppy, thank you. Just so consistent and so generous and so passionate and outgoing. You mean a lot to our community. I hope you know that to everybody, not just Zach and John, myself, and all the podcast hosts, but to everybody in this community. So thank you, my friend. She says, just want to say hi to you all. Great show. <clears throat> As always, just got off work. Go Broncos. Love that. Okay, I'm going to play this clip. I'm pretty sure I have it queued up where he t- he says what I want you guys to hear. So here here's Elway on today's episode <clears throat> of Elway Access on DenverBroncos.com. Here's the clip real quick. We got to make sure he's healthy. And, and uh, you know, I think obviously when you heard it, uh, you got to get the constant confidence back. Not through, you know, and then not throwing for a week, you know, obviously or two weeks with however long it's been, you know, you lose some of your touch, you lose some of your accuracy. And so you're not as sharp as you were. And so it takes a little bit of throwing to get that back. His shoulder says he feels well. He's going to practice a little bit today. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I think, you know, there's being the right shoulder is a lot different than being the left shoulder, especially being a thrower, but he'll get that confidence back. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can get it and make it this week. But if not, then we'll look forward to having against Miami. His shoulder says he's good. What do you what do you read into that if you read anything? Well, Elway hit on the same point I was making. It's about Drew Locke's confidence and his mental as much as his physical and his health. You throw him out there against the Patriots, and let's say he's borderline 100% or just barely 100%. Again, he spent weeks last year cold, you know, forced to watch and watch and watch, never getting his break. He finally goes into the season as the guy. He gets a game and a half, and he's out of the game again, injured again, forced to watch again. If you throw him back in there and he's champing at the bit to get going, and he just gets destroyed by the Patriots, if he's not ready physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, it's going to have a downturning effect on not only the Broncos' season, but his arc, his development. I do not want the Broncos to Josh Rosen, Drew Locke. If that means waiting one more week for him to be 120%, I'd rather do that because you put him in there against the Dolphins, he beats the Dolphins, his confidence is through the roof. You put him in there against the Patriots and he loses to the Patriots, he's right down, and I know he's mentally tough, but he's right down on the human emotion side, down in the dumps, and I don't want that for Drew. His confidence, what Elway said, is just as important. The Broncos are hoping he can play. That's bottom line. They really are. So don't read too much into the fact that he's the fourth guy taking reps during the portion of practice in which the media can can view. Because there's also some gamesmanship taking place. Even if he doesn't end up playing, there's some gamesmanship taking place. They're trying to keep Belichick a little off balance because that's what trust. Trust on this. Belichick reads the press clippings when there's an injured player, especially a key player. He's paying attention or he's got guys in his uh, quality control on his coaching staff or even in the Patriots PR department that are providing him reports and updates on what they're hearing with regard to a key player like Drew Locke. Levi jumping back in. Wow. And thank you Levi, for the support, Levi. And um, just as Zach, just to echo what Zach said earlier, man, 
you have become a bona fide superstar in our community, and it just means a lot to us, my friend. He says, do you think John has full confidence in Locke as the guy, or do you think it's only because he has to? In other words, you know, if you can't, what, what's the song? If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Is John Elway loving the one he's with, or is this – you know, or is John Elway maybe pining for another quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence? I don't see it that way. I think they do believe in Drew Locke after what he showed late last year and just the spark, not just what he did on the field as a player, but the spark that he gave to the team, to the players, to the coaches, to the community, to the fan base, to the city. I think the Broncos really do believe in Drew Locke, but they have to have their confidence somewhat shaken by, by the fact that it's now a, a question. Is he an injury-prone guy? Can his body hold up to an NFL beating year after year after year? That's a legit question that he, Locke, you know, he's going to have to figure out a way to answer that. I live by kind of one golden rule, applying to the NFL, applying to life. I watch what people do, not what they say. And what the Broncos did this entire offseason, Chad, was build the entire nest, to quote Nick Kendall, around Drew Locke. They got the coaches, they got the offensive linemen, they got the receivers. They went all in on Drew Locke as the franchise quarterback. So I think for the most part, I think Elway 95% believed in Drew Locke. I think he went the younger route. He he went away from a retread quarterback like Joe Flacco. He really has confidence that Locke is the guy. And knowing Elway being so, I don't want to say conceited, but I, I think Elway sees a lot of himself in Drew Locke as well. He wants him to succeed because he's kind of living again through Drew Locke vicariously. Also, on the other hand, that 5%, he's viewing Drew Locke like we do, like analysts, like fans, like media, where, okay, we have to be realistic. If he bombs the rest of the season, we still need a guy. If he's not the guy, we need the guy. So 95%, I think Elway has put his chips on the table, his cards on the table, but he's still hedging his bets just in case this move blows up on him. Because the one thing he's learned, Chad, as a GM, you have to have a quarterback in this league. Well said. Andy, guys, we didn't grab this while I was searching for the Elway clip, right, Andy, on Facebook? No. Hey, guys, so if you started a new franchise, you're playing against the Chiefs twice a year, will you be drafting offense or defense to challenge the Chiefs? This Mm. is the big question. What do you do? Thanks, Andy Rock from Kansas. Go challenge the Chiefs. That reminds me, have you guys ever seen the movie Slapshot? It's 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 like a dramedy hockey sports movie. John seen it. There's a scene in there where they say they challenge the chiefs. Anytime I hear that, those three words in a row like that, I think of that movie. But anyway, what's your answer for Andy in terms of starting this franchise over? How do you, how do you set yourself up to buy against a team as stacked as the chiefs? Well, let's look at the facts. The, in, in the Mahomes error, the, the rare losses they've, they've had, Chad, have come against teams that had good offenses and good quarterbacks. Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, to go toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs. It helps to have a good defense, but it's quarterback versus quarterback. Quarterback makes the entire NFL go around. So if I'm starting a franchise, give me Russell Wilson. Give me Aaron Rodgers. Give me a quarterback to go up against Patrick Mahomes and fight fire with fire. That is how you take down Kansas City. Without the quarterback, uh, you're dead in the water. It doesn't matter who your biggest divisional foe is. You need that quarterback. And I still remain very hopeful and optimistic that Drew Locke can be that guy. Uh, Manny Wise jumping in to say, hey, name one quarterback that does not get hurt on such a play as Drew Locke. Agreed. Got hurt. Agreed. And there, that's, that's, that's a fair point. I do think there are some quarterbacks that are just tough and, you know, they can probably take that. I do think there are some. The whole lock injury, the whole lock is injury prone is way too premature. I don't disagree that he to say he's injury prone is premature. Where if if what if you're picking nits in the fact that there are now questions about his durability, then that being a trope that is, you know, holds water or it doesn't, I think you're wrong if you don't think that that's a real question right now surrounding Drew Lock. It is. Two years in the league, two major injuries that have cost him time. It's just an issue, and it's you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything up to this point. There's no definitive answer, but it's a question, all right. And the Broncos, at this stage, you know they would be remiss to not question that themselves, to not wonder, to not say, "Hey, we need an answer to this." Can Locke stay healthy? Can he come back from this injury and stay in the starting lineup for the rest of the season? 
I think there's a modicum of concern about Drew Locke's durability, but there's a difference between concern and labeling someone injury prone. And Manny, you and I kind of really disagree on a lot of our points, but I am right there with you. Also, luck has a lot to do with it. I mean, injuries in the NFL are part of the game, but whether you stay healthy, it comes down to just falling wrong or landing wrong or breaking your fall like Drew Locke did. Again, though, if he had proper, capable, competent protection, would he have gotten hurt on that play? Probably not. So I, I really can't fault Locke for this injury when the Broncos were negligent and put him behind the line that was not optimal for his success. Richie Rich says most other QBs, almost all quarterbacks get hit like that. They just don't throw out their arm like a noob. I don't know about that, Richie Rich, but here's what I'll say is complicating that was also he kind of fell on the ball a little awkwardly as well. <clears throat> it was just a unique um, – the stars just aligned in the, in the worst way possible for Drew Locke and the Broncos on that given play. But Zach is not wrong in terms of, hey, it shouldn't have had to have come to that because the Broncos by that point, it should have been apparent against Tennessee that you needed to get DeMar Dotson in their right tackle stat. And they waited, took Drew Locke getting hurt, and then Jeff Driscoll, and then Brett Rippon. Finally, of course, Eli got hurt, but it took an injury to Eli for them to sit him down which then does make me wonder, like, you know, was this a Joe Flacco neck injury? <laughs> yeah. Was this situation, you know, like where you, you wonder, is this just the team looking for a viable, plausible out in terms of, you know, sitting a guy down? I don't think so, to be honest with you. I think he really did get hurt. I know he got hurt, but was it that bad? I do think the injury was real. But it's just sad, Zach, that it took – they couldn't have realized sooner that you needed to make a change and it had nothing to do with injury. And uh, guys, show me one young quarterback in his first year as a full-time starter who wouldn't make the same effort on that play. One quarterback, especially a gunslinger like Drew Locke, not a game manager, a gunslinger who's trying to extend the play and make something happen. Josh Allen does that now every game, and he's being lauded as MVP frontrunner. Drew Locke is the same mental wire. He's the same way. And because he was injured on that play, he's catching the flack when, again, like you just laid out, like I've laid out, like every Broncos fan has laid out, it was the protection. You fix the protection, as the Broncos proved last week, you fix or help fix the offense. All right, last question. It's a super chat from Levi, and then we're going to dip on out for tonight. Thank you, Levi. Really appreciate you, man. That's all we can tell you is it means a lot to us. He says, does PFF's stats matter in the front office? Do they look at PFF? Yeah, they do. In fact, John Elway himself mentioned a PFF statistic in that same interview today on Elway Access. He talked about it was on the topic of Bradley Chubb, and maybe it was just a coincidence that the Broncos tallied the pressures that Bradley Chubb was able to, to put on, on Sam Darnold last week, which was 10, according to PFF. Maybe the Broncos' own tally equaled that. But I don't believe a lot in coincidence, and I just know player-wise. I mean, Zach, we told this story many times on this podcast, but traditionally we've had multiple players reach out to us privately. This was before it became common for teams to get their own subscription to PFF. PFF has a whole different tier that they do that actually providing information to teams now. And that started, I want to say, two seasons ago. But up until that point, Zach, we would have players reach out to us privately and say, hey, what was my grade today? What would PFF grade me? Because it's it got to a point with PFF where, you know, you got Pro Bowl accolades, <clears throat> you got all pro accolades, you got statistics in the box score, and then you got your PFF stats and grades, I should say. Those things all combined to de de determining how players got <clears throat> paid and how they were valued by front offices. So to answer your question about a front office, I do think in the case of the Denver Broncos, I do think that they look, they at least look at the information PFF provides them. How much they rely on it is anyone's guess. Yeah, those are the key words, the Broncos front office, because some teams value analytics more than others, and the Broncos happen to be one of them. They had Mitch Tanney for all those years, so they put a lot of stock into that. They look at the pro football focus ratings and grades and all that, but it's not a guiding principle for the Broncos. They don't base their decisions around pro football focus, and I would hope they don't, considering how clickbaity and how hot takey PFF has become. They look at it like you and I do. They're people. They're football fans. They want to see what's out there, what they can use to kind of craft their opinions but not base their opinions around. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for giving us an hour of your time. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, 
we're uh, we're done for this week. Zach and I podcasting. It's Thursday. Now, normally, what you'd have is Zach and I returning for the gut reaction immediately following the game on Sunday. But the Sunday game is rescheduled to Monday in case you missed it. So Sunday, Zach and I will be returning to you at our traditional scheduled time at 6 p.m. So look forward to that. We can't wait to talk to you, and we'll see kind of which way the wind's blown with regard to some of these injuries. Is it looking more like Drew can play? Is it looking more like maybe Fant can play? Well, maybe we'll have more information on that, although I doubt we'll have a whole heck of a lot more insight until game time decisions roll around Monday. But then, appreciate you, Kathy. Then we'll be back, of course, immediately following Broncos Patriots with the gut reaction. And even before that, of course, we'll have the halftime show. We'll come to you with the instant reaction at halftime. So lots of content left to go from Huddle Up Podcast between now and Broncos Patriots. Plus, of course, Friday night, you get Dove Valley Deep Divers. And then Saturday night, you get Mile High Insiders. Guys, you got to remember, you get seven live stream podcasts a week from MHH. And it's the same time every day, 6 p.m. Mountain to 7 p.m. Mountain. And the only exception to that is on game day where we come to you immediately following the game. So, Zach, have a great week or weekend, I should say, my friend. And we'll, uh, we'll of course, circle back and, and break it all down on Sunday evening. Of course. We'll be at, you know, it's a lot different than we thought it was going to be. We had a game to go over Sunday, but we should know more. I believe we'll know at least a little bit of some of the player statuses. I mean, we'll have a concrete, you know, ruled out, ruled in for the game. They might practice on Saturday instead of tomorrow since it's a Monday game now. We'll have at least some news to go over, and we'll all see you then. So looking forward to it. Follow the podcast in the meantime, gang, on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And then also, while you're at it, follow at MileHighHuddle. And then do not forget, do not omit this from your life. Following my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen, as you can see for us both here on the screen. And as Levi reminds you, hey, before you dip on out yourselves, please like this video. It's a simple, organic way you can help support what we're doing. And we remind you, if you think we're doing a good job, share this video out there. All right? That's the best thing you can do. That's worth more to us than an advertiser. Okay? So share this video out there. And then uh, our producer, John K at John K MHH on Twitter as well. And have a great weekend yourselves, Broncos country. We look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. And then of course, mile high salute to the super chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. You guys mean everything to us. We love you. Appreciate you for Zach Kelberman. Uh, Christy jump the queen at the buzzer. Yep. At the buzzer. She does that time uh, every once in a while. So thank you, Christy. We love you. Appreciate you. You have a great night as well and a great weekend. And then we'll look forward to seeing all of you Sunday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.